0: Jesus feeds the five thousand. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed the sick. Now, when it was evening, and the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away and into the villages to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They may not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides the women and children. This is the word of the Lord.
1: As you know, our theme for this year is It's All His. Yeah, there's the logo up there. It just so happens. That the four ways that we want to talk about how it's all His for the year uh, winds up be, uh, being an acrostic of stars. So you have a four pointed star there. But it's all His story. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, it's all His time. We talked about that recently. This morning we talk about it's all His assets. But I agree with Tuck Cornegay. The more I studied this passage, the more I prayed about this, I thought, really it should be, you said they are his assets, or they are all, his, I think we are all his assets as well. We can change it to first person plural. Now, there's an app for that. Have you ever said that or heard somebody say that? How many of y'all have ever heard somebody say there's an app for that, or you, you, you know what that means? Some of us do. There are some of the apps up there. They are, they are software, little bits of software that are user-friendly. They are useful in some way, at least most of the time. Some of the more popular ones are uh, Facebook, uh, uh, FaceTime. What are some other ones? WhatsApp, uh, Google Play, uh, Google News. There's a few others up there. YouTube, Spotify, uh, eBay. Is that Starbucks? That was a plant, wasn't it, Mr. Thomas? Can, can you hit that and you can order the coffee early? I didn't know that. I bet O. Henry's doesn't have that. Okay. We don't have anybody who works for Let's move on. Okay. Um, But it's broken up. Now, now, most of these serve a very useful purpose. There are some that I wonder about. There's one called melon meter. You ever heard of melon meter? You go to the grocery store, you find a melon. Gosh, is it ripe? They say if you place the phone on it and you thump the melon, there's some meter on it that says whether or not it's ripe. There you go. True. (laughs) Probably the most useless one I've seen is one called hang time. Anybody seen the one for hang time? I think of basketball. But apparently, if you put it on your... uh, uh, put the app on your phone, you throw the phone up in the air and you see how high you can throw it to have the most hang time before you come comes down, down to catch it. And I guess you win if you throw it highest and it comes back down and you do catch it. Uh, but anyway, it's called hang time, which seems pretty useless, but most of them really are useful, which leads in some weird way, and it makes sense, to the only miracle that Jesus performed that's recorded in all four Gospels. It's the feeding of the 5,000, only one that appears in all four of them. Jesus and the disciples are trying to get to a quiet place. They've uh, had a crowd around them all day, and they really just can't shake the crowd. The disciples are getting nervous, and they go up to Jesus and say, let's go on and send them away. This is a remote place. Let's let them go find some food in the villages. And then they say to Jesus, send them away. Now, isn't it interesting? The disciples see this as a problem. People who are a problem. Jesus sees it as an opportunity. People for whom you have an opportunity to serve. Sometimes we'll see certain people or certain situations as a problem, and we really should see them as an opportunity. But they say, send them away. And what does Jesus say as an opportunity? You will not send them away. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. You know what he's saying? You're the app for that. You're the app Apply yourself in some way that you serve them. You are the app, or as we could say, you are the asset. And we are all God's assets. Now, that had to be overwhelming for the disciples as they were sitting there looking out at this massive crowd. Think about it. It says what? There were 5,000 men besides women and children. Could have been 10,000 to 20,000 people there. What do you do? And, and I love what in the Gospel of, of Luke uh, it says, there's a guy that comes up to Jesus, one of the disciples, and said, that would take eight months' pay of a man's wage to feed all these people. How are, how are we going to spend that money? And I love Jesus' reply in Mark chapter 6, verse 38. Said, all he says is this, what do you have? Go and see. I love that. What do you have? Go and see. Jesus doesn't get overwhelmed by the, the, the size of the problem. You know, he doesn't plot a big strategy. He doesn't start calculating how much money is it going to take. He doesn't try to solve the problem. He didn't ask them how much it would take to solve the problem. What does he just say? He just wants to know what they have to offer. That's it. What do you have to offer? And so they go out, and they find a young man, as you know, with five loaves of bread, two fish. There were probably a lot of other people with resources as well. sounds like they weren't willing to give. But this kid gave what he could. And you know what happens. Miraculously, everybody gets fed. There are how many baskets left over? Anybody know? Twelve. But do you see the real miracle here? Do you see the real miracle? Remember, I always tell you, Jesus was referred to by other people more than anything else as what? Starts with an R. Rabbi. Which means what? He always used miracles for a calculated effect every time. So what is the message here? What's the real miracle? Jesus doesn't ask his disciples to do the impossible. He just asked them to bring what they had, and they did that, and then Jesus did the impossible. He multiplied the miracle. So that comes to you now. Are you at least giving what you have to serve the kingdom? Are you at a point right now when you really are at the edge of what you can be doing? Do you have traction right now in your life of ministry, being an asset for God, or are you kind of complacent these days? Maybe even, God help us, apathetic. Let me say this, put up the next thing. God never asks us to give what we do not have, but he cannot use what we will not give. Can you say that with me? God never asks us to give what we do not have, but he cannot use what we will not give. There's an app for that. When serving the kingdom and you are the app, you are the asset. And are you applying yourself as you need to? I love what Tuck said, the most important thing, two words, show up, right? Just show up. And we're all his assets now. We could do an emphasis this year on spiritual gifts. How many of y'all, I'm really curious, how many of y'all have ever taken a spiritual gifts inventory? One of those, yeah, a lot of us have. And those are great and fine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, degrading those at all. Uh, I think it's important to keep in mind that the gifts that are listed in, in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and also in 1 Peter, those are not an exhaustive list. So you might find some of your gifts there, but there are other gifts you have that aren't even listed in Scripture. Scripture is not comprehensive when it comes to all those gifts. But you know what? I'm just at an age now, and I used to give spiritual gifts inventories all the time. I'm just at a point where I think the way that you really learn what your spiritual gifts are is get out there, show up, and find out what your gifts are. You might even discover some new ones, or you might think you're really good at this and not be quite so good over here, but go over and do this act of service. Get out there and serve, because the thing we've got to remember is there's no plan B. If you claim to be a Christ follower, you have a calling, and that calling is to serve Him and to be His asset, realizing it's all His, And it's all his mission on this which is all his planet. And we're called to be his assets getting out there and glorifying him with what we do. It's really encapsulated very well in Matthew 28 at the very end when Jesus said what? Go therefore into all the world, to all the nations, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, and we know this in Baptist life, that's often referred to as the great fill in the blank. The great what? What? commission. Has it always been called that? Did Jesus say, hey, I'm about to give you the great commission, here it is? He, no, we've imposed that. It's a good word, but it was not popularized until over 1,800 years after Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. It didn't come along until 1792 with a guy named William Carey. I think we got a picture of him up there. Uh, he became a missionary to India. Here's a guy who was a shoemaker, okay? Just a, just a mild-mannered shoemaker in England and when he's 32, he feels called to go to India to be a missionary. An amazing guy. I just finished teaching my jan missiology class, and my class made fun of me again, because this is just my rock star hero when it comes to missionaries. He, he tops the Almond Brothers, enough said. I mean, he's that important. Uh, but in, wait, Ethan, didn't you do a paper on William? Where's Ethan? Did he leave? Where are you? You did a paper on William Carey. Okay, in fact, you did a paper on the book by Timothy George, our dean over here of Beeson Divinity School, which I've read a few biographies of William Carey, and the best one is by our own, Timothy George, who has preached here, taught here, uh, dean of Beeson Divinity School. It's called Faithful Witness, the Life and Ministry of William Carey. And, uh, and you really, you earned that C+. Uh, anyway. <laughs> no, he got an A. He got an A in all my classes. It was frustrating. I know, that's what I want to do. Uh, but... Uh, No, but Timothy wrote a beautiful book about him, and I love what he says when, when, you know, uh, Kerry has embarked on this trip to go from England to India, and he's taking his oldest son. He's 32 years old. What did he have? What were his assets? And I love this quote from Timothy. Go to the next one. This is from Timothy George's book. What could he do, this lone little man, against the principalities and powers of darkness? Here is his resume. Education, minimal. Degrees, none. Savings, depleted. Political influence, nil. References, a band of country preachers half a world away. What are his resources? A weapon, love, a desire to bring the light of God into the darkness, and finally, a strategy to proclaim by life, lips, and letters the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's what he had, and that's all it took. And my friends, if you read about this guy, he is absolutely amazing what he was able to do. And so, you know, he becomes the father of modern missions out of that. And we might not be the father or mother of modern missions, but there's something we can do. And my question is, what are you going to bring to this mission? Because you know what? You are they. You are they. Say, say I am they. I am What do I, what do I mean by that? Uh, there's a guy named Chris at Crescent Hill Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, where I grew up. He started working with the youth as a volunteer when I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, he he would always open the the uh, opening assembly for Sunday school. Uh, uh, he was always there on Wednesday nights for RAs or not RAs. It was whatever the youth thing was. He was always at retreats, events, whatever it might be. He is still doing that there with youth. Okay, that was my sophomore year in high school. So he's been there a good twelve years. Uh, <laughs> No, but I mean, he's still there. Chris is still there, still doing that. And I remember one time I went back, uh, I think it was when I did that book thing and had a signing there, and, and, and I asked him, "How You're still doing this? I said, What keeps you doing this? What makes you so consistent with it and everything? He said, I remember the day. And I said, Well, well, well what did you learn that day? And he said, I learned that I am they. So, what do you mean? He said, You remember, it was kind of just a year or two before you got in the youth group, and, and the youth group was really struggling at the time. There were some major problems there. And I remember getting into the car after uh, Sunday uh, worship service, getting in the car and looking at my wife, and we were talking about that concern with the youth. And I said, They really ought to do something about that. He said, As soon as those words escaped my lips, it hit me right between the eyes. I am they. Isn't it so easy for you and me to say, you know, they really need to fix that problem. They really need to go talk to someone. They need to help the youth. They need to help uh, with, with stewardship. emphasis. They really need to do this or that. You know what? Let's, let's, let's stay off of the they. What do you have to offer? What do I have to offer? You know, I'm they. You're they. We need to keep that in mind. We need not depend on everybody else to do do it all. Maybe it's time to let God... Stretch you. I love in John's account of uh, the feeding of the 5,000, John chapter 6, verse 6, right after Jesus says, You give them something to eat, he says this, uh, or the scripture says this, okay, Jesus has just said, You go get them something to eat. And I love the translation. Some translations say Jesus said this to test them. Uh, The message, Eugene Peterson, I think captures the Greek even better. Jesus said this to stretch their faith. And I wonder if that's what he's wanting you to do right now. And I love how it goes on. Jesus said this to stretch their faith. He already knew what he was going to do. Please think about that. God already knows what he's going to do with what you give him, even before you give it to him. But the key is, are you going to bring it? Are you going to bring it to him? He already knows the great stuff he can do with what you have, through you. The question is, are you going to bring it? The question is, are you going to bring it? You might not see results immediately like he did with feeding the 5,000, but it comes along. Boy, William Carey, going back to him, it must have been difficult for him. I, I think I might have told you all before. You know, he went to India, went through all this hardship. He did not baptize a believer for the first seven and a half years of his ministry there. I want you to think about that. Imagine you going to another culture today, another people group, being there for seven and a half years and not seeing, witnessing a convert until then. But he stuck with it. He stuck with it in an amazing way. And to this day has literally helped capture the hearts of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. What he did over there with the myriad translations of the Bible. This, this lowly shoemaker go, goes over there and learns all these languages. Winds up being a teacher at a university. Helps found colleges. Does all manner of things. Still has an incredible impact to this day in that country. Reached thousands for Christ. And how did he do it? And when I looked at that book one more time the other night, I thought, this is the quote that I think captures his heart. And William Carey said this, the conversion of one's soul is worth the labor of a life. Hold on, therefore. Be steady in your work and leave the result with God. Boy, that encapsulates all we've been talking about. Are you willing to give your life Give your time, your assets, your resources in your life for the sake of one person, the conversion of one soul. Are you willing to do that? Because if you just hold on, God will take care of it. Bring what you can and leave the result with him. It'll make a difference. You are his app. You are his asset. Are you going to bring what you can to him? I'd like to ask that we bow our heads and have a time of a silent meditation. And, and I want you to have an honest moment, J- just between you and God, just have an honest, raw moment and, and meditate upon this. Are you giving all to God that you can in terms of your gifts, your talents? Are you willing even all the more to be an asset for him? Have you been that for him lately? Have you served him effectively like you can? Have you taken the time out to reach someone you know about who needs to be reached? Or or, or is is there some way you can serve our church in the months to come? And he's challenging you to do that. What is one more thing you can do? Not like something you put on a list, but one more, just one more facet of who you are that you can offer to him. Take just a moment and commit yourself all the more to be an asset for him, to get out there and serve him, and trust that he is going to, Have results come along. You might not see them, but he will do incredible things through you. Take that moment and converse with him about that. Lord, we confess to you that we can even show up here, but really not be shown up in our hearts. So as we leave this place, help us to be all the more committed as we pass through the doors that this is your mission field that we're heading to, and we need to let you use us, and we need to bring what we have to the table to be your servants, to be your missionaries. Forgive us when we let others do it. Forgive us when we say that, you know, they need to do it. No, they are me. They are me. And help us, O God, to commit ourselves all the more to serving you in your kingdom as we should. We pray these things in your name. Amen.